We've got the classics. We've got the current hits. And everything in between. This is WQAQ 98.1 Hamden. The soundtrack of Quinnipiac. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Marvel Sports Talk Show broadcasting live from inside the Carl Hansen Student Center on the campus of Quinnipiac University. I'm David Marr joined of course by Andrew Spezzano joined by special guests this evening. We have Q30 Sports Pause and QBSN social media manager Clever Strike in the building. Also my professional broadcast partner. Clever, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on, David. It's a pleasure to be back on WQAQ, and I'm really excited to talk some sports tonight. Always a pleasure having you on, pal. Andrew, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. All right. Well, before we get started, uh, if you've been living under a rock for the first few months of the semester or the first few months of the school year, and you want to catch up on our show, be sure to tune in on Spotify. Search up Marvel Sports Talk Show on Spotify. You can click the links on Marvel Sports Talk Twitter. You can check the link on my Twitter. I have it on my Instagram. And you can catch up on the last seven episodes of our show. Before we come back, we're not having a show over break, which is a little bit unfortunate. But uh, if you want to catch up, go on Spotify, search up Marvel Sports Talk Show, and catch up on all the episodes leading up to today. So, gentlemen, it is the we are nine days officially from Thanksgiving. Start off our show. What's your favorite Thanksgiving Day side dish? Oh, for me, it's definitely mashed potatoes. I'm a stuffing guy myself. I, I'm whenever I go out to Thanksgiving, usually on Long Island or mm-hmm. somewhere in Westchester. Um, it's definitely the stuffing because it, it that sort of stuff's like really addicting. Yeah, like you just kind of pile it on and then you want to go back for more. So it's that definitely stuffing for me. Absolutely, yeah. Same. My mom makes really good homemade stuffing. And I have about half of it almost every year. It's so good. All right, so we've got NHL for you guys tonight. We've got a little bit of college football. The latest uh, college football playoff rankings came out about 90 minutes before we got on the air. And then we'll talk. uh, take a break. We'll go to week uh, 10, no, 11 in the NFL. And we'll get our picks in, and that will do it. And we will be back with you in two weeks from today uh, with another episode after we come back from Thanksgiving. So let's start with the NHL, and let's talk about... I. I'm outnumbered tonight. We have two Rangers fans in the building. Um, so let's talk about the Rangers. 21 points. They're third in the Metropolitan. I, I would put them up as one of the more elite teams in the NHL. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago when we talked about hockey, Andrew, is that their young talent has been blossoming. But, boy, I, you got to take that Igor Shesterkin should be the Vesna. And my take right now is that Chris Kreider, MVP, should, should be a Hart Trophy candidate at this point. That's not a hot take, in my opinion. I think that that's kind of on the money. And we were kind of talking about this a bit before the show. Kreider has been skating like this is one of the best seasons I've ever seen him play. I've been watching the Rangers since 2012, and he debuted in the 2012 playoffs. And since then, man, he's scored 20 goals a year. He's been a very reliable option. He's been in the the middle six, top six since then. He's been one of the guys that have been the veterans on the Rangers, but Oh, boy, he's playing with a vengeance this year, man. 11 goals, 3 assists through 15 games so far. He's just been hot as the hot iron can be. That Kreider's just having such a season, man. Yeah, Kreider's been unbelievable. And actually, the Rangers are on right now. They're up 3-2 to two in the third against Montreal. And Kreider actually put in his 12th of the year, which ties him for second with Alex Ovechkin for goals. But, yeah, Chris Kreider's been great. But how about Adam Fox? Mm. He has been, he has 16 points, four goals, 12 assists. And you saw it, David, against your Panthers, handed you guys your first regular season loss. We're not going to discuss that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, Adam Fox has been unbelievable. He could, I could see him winning the Norris again at this rate. He's just been unbelievable. Panarin's starting to play better. You know, he kind of got off to a slow start. And 
the young guys are starting to look good. Capo Caco, he scored another goal tonight. He scored in two straight. And Alexi Lafreniere starting to pick it up as well. I love what the Rangers are doing, and it'll. I hope they can keep it up because they've they've really impressed me so far. Clever, you had a, you uh, you mentioned on Twitter about Sammy Blaise, one of the Rangers players. Can you go into depth about um, his injury and what that means for this team? Yeah, sure. So for context, for context, uh, Pavel Buchnevich is now is on, now is on the Blues. Uh, there was an offseason trade between the Rangers and the Blues, where I believe it was either a second or a third that came back with Sammy Blaise for Pavel Buchnevich. Um, this was one of Chris Shuri, who's the new GM for the Rangers first moves. And, um, now about not even two months or one month into the season, Blay has been sidelined for the rest of the season after PK Subban, there was a bit of a hit, uh, last game against the devils. And just, I, I look at this and I really wonder now that the Rangers have a big gaping hole in their, uh, top six on the right side. What was the point of trading Buchnevich? Because I think that Sammy Blay brought a lot to this team in the quick moment that I saw him play, not even like 20 games into the season. He didn't even complete a quarter of the season. Blay had a lot of really good moves. There was this one moment in the preseason where he just went off. But the the fact that he's now out really puts this move into perspective because Buchnevich is now guy a guy that can be a top six forward for the Blues and they're going to be in a playoff position in the Central this year. And that's something that the Rangers don't have when they could have had him on a cheap contract and they could have retained him. So um, having Blaze sideline is a massive hit, and I just don't see where the Rangers are going to be able to fill that hole of like that guy that can play kind of like he was He was a better version of Brendan Lemieux. Mm. That that's, that's would be how I would liken Sammy Blaze so far. You want to add on to that? Yeah, no. Blay was definitely, I watched some of the games this year. He's been a really good two-way forward. And, you know, that was something that the Rangers, they were looking to add this offseason because that's not something they've had a great amount of guys that were great at that throughout the last few years. So losing Blay really hurts. But, yeah, I was I was upset when they traded Buchnevich because he, he broke out last year. Buchnevich you know, was so good last he year. He looked really good. And he's, he's doing solid now in St. Louis. But then the other thing that gets me is they had this whole saga with Vitaly Kratsov, and now they really could use him, but they gave him to the KHL for the rest of the year. So, yeah, the Rangers, they're lacking left-handed forwards right now. So, I mean, if they keep playing well, you could see them buy at the deadline down yeah. the road. Buchnevich, 8 points, 12 games. That's the kind of production that you want on the Rangers team when uh, there was only four assists from Blay before he got injured. And now he's done for the season. I just, I don't see it as a balanced trade. And it's going to go down as one of those trades that will be like, what if we had uh, just seen the Rangers keep Buchnevich, not really move him? Because it it just, in hindsight, it doesn't make sense. And the way that Drury runs the team, adding in the pieces like uh, Jared Tenorti. Jared Tenorti brings next to nothing to the team. And it's really infuriating because there's a lot of really good pieces on this Rangers team. They should be making the playoffs this year with Adam Fox, Norris winner, um, Igor Shesterkin playing out of his mind. It's These are the kinds of teams that should be building up to a playoff spot, but it's so uncertain with the Rangers because they have this big problem on the right wing, and there used to be the KCB line uh, with uh, Kreider, Zibanejad, and Bushnevich, but it's just, I don't know what the heck would replace them by this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I, I do think getting going... Being aggressive at the deadline might help. I mean, if they get another, like, maybe a veteran. Uh, I'm not sure a veteran who's available at this point. But it, it would help, I think, you know, add on to that, um, that Blaze injury, which could be huge for the Rangers. But I like where they're at right now. I mean, there's no there's no need to point fingers right now. The Rangers are at, are good. But I want to I want to I hope that they just keep competing to be that team that was that takes we're here and we're good. How good are we? And and put that on the ice like we saw against the Panthers. And speaking of the Panthers, uh, coming off a brutal road trip, they lost. They got crushed by the Rangers in the first two periods, and it, you know they battled back and made it close. And then they got whooped by the Devils in New Jersey. They lose the next two games in extra to the Penguins and the Lightning. They're up 5-1 on the Islanders right now, which is pretty good, except that Alexander Barkov probably just broke his leg, and I'm internally crying right now. But... What what do we make of the Panthers? You know, following a four game road trip where they only picked up two points and lost every game, what do we make of the Panthers right now, Andrew? I I'm still I still think the Panthers are one of the best team and best teams in hockey. 
You know, even with Barkov going down, you have guys like Huberto, Anthony Duclair's breaking out this year, Verhage's good. Then Sam Reinhart, he's starting to pick up his play. I know he had a slow start. But then you have Aaron Ekblad, healthy this year. I remember he got hurt last year. He's yep. one of the top defensemen in the league. You know, I really like this this Panthers team. And I think in that, yeah, Bobrovsky's still, he's 6-0-2, and, and, and Knight isn't bad either. Yeah, I think the Panthers are fine, and I, I hope they beat the Islanders. I love seeing the Islanders lose. I'm in the same boat with you there. And, you know, losing Barkov as a top scorer is a big hit for the Panthers. Then again, we don't know how long or if he is injured. He's definitely out tonight. They just, uh, he's definitely out tonight. They that, just announced that he has a lower body injury. He's out tonight. Really? Yeah, that's shocking. That's, that's undisclosed. <laughs> shocking. But it's, still, it's, it's still something that should hit if, like, let's say, hypothetically, they do lose Barkov long term. Um, you, you know, the, the Panthers are on a four-game skid, and that's mm-hmm. something that needs to be rectified if the Panthers want to get back to the way that they were where they were undefeated for the first 10 games. That was the jump that gave them the, the shot to the top of the Atlantic Division over the Maple Leafs and the Lightning. And as we go along the season, the pace, the Maple Leafs are an incredible regular season team. Yeah, They've shown historically that they can be an absolute monster as we go down the stretch. So having uh, the Maple Leafs in second place now only two points back is scary, scary for the Panthers. And uh, it's it's something that they need to rectify. And I think beating the Islanders is good, but the Islanders are also on the bottom of the Metropolitan and they've yeah. been struggling. Yeah, and a couple, a couple years ago had Barkov gone down, I would have been like, oh, shoot. I mean, that would have been very tough. And because they didn't have the depth. Now that they have the depth with Reinhardt, Lundell, who reminds me of Barkov, he's a rookie and he's been playing lights out. Um, you know, the Hornquist is playing good. He, he got a goal tonight, but you mentioned Verhage, Duclair. They have depth to back up Barkov, but losing him is like so, so huge because he, he scores a ton of goals. He's a huge playmaker, and, and losing him could be an absolute. We need to know how long he's out for. He's out. He's definitely out tonight. He's probably going to be out the rest of the week. It 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 will be like will be out a few months. Is he out for the rest of the season? And I I read something on Twitter where the Panthers should pull uh, Kucherov and put him on long long term IR until the playoffs and just cheat the salary cap, <laughs> which could possibly happen. We don't know. Um, all right, give me a surprising team that we've seen, good or bad. Um, this year through the first few weeks of the season that we didn't really see coming. I, I, I'll, I'll start. I like the Ducks. The Ducks, I didn't think that they would be. They they played 16 games, and they've had 21 points. And they're second in the uh, Pacific Division, right behind the Oilers, who are losing right now to the Jets. Trevor Zegras is playing outstanding. Ryan Getzloff is closing in on his 1,000th career NHL point. The Ducks, I... I we mentioned Andrew when we first started talking about NHL, who's the fourth best team in the division. I think the Ducks, and right now they've won they've won seven straight, and they have been putting up some big numbers, and I really am impressed by the Ducks' defense, especially after losing six in a row. They've come back. They've played great defense. The credit, they haven't played that level of competition, but you, know, you bounce back from a six-game losing streak and you win seven straight by playing very good defense, which opens up some good offense. I like where the Ducks are at through the first two weeks of the season. Andrew, you have a surprise here? Um, I'll give a good one and a bad one. So I'll go quick. So yeah. for good, I like Detroit. Detroit right now, yeah. they, have the, they have the four spot of the East. You know, they've got 18 points, and they've gotten some really good production out of Tyler Bert- or Bertuzzi's having a good year. Mm-hmm. Dylan Larkin, he's been really good. This guy Raymond has 17 points. I've never even heard of the guy. And, you know, they've also played pretty well defensively. But to look at a team that I'm surprised that's playing this poorly is the Islanders because they were so good last year. And, you know, for them to get off to this lackluster of a start is surprising. They don't have a single guy right now in double figures for points. You know, Brock Nelson leads with nine, Matthew Barzal with eight. You know, I I really expected more out of this from this Islanders team. For sure. And even their goaltending hasn't been great. No. Clever, you got a couple that you're just either a surprising team in a good or a bad way? Yeah, I got a couple of surprising ones. And I I do agree with you in the Ducks, but the one that took me by the most surprise, I guess, was the Flames. The Mm. Flames, I thought, was a team that I thought they need to blow it up at some point. 
the 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 same core was being charted out year after year and we weren't getting anywhere we weren't seeing the flames uh improve they missed the playoffs it wasn't a team that i felt was really competitive this year they're eight three and four and they've looked like such a night and day difference i remember when they were playing the rangers they just absolutely railroaded them there was it was a very very competitive game and the flames have just looked so strong and so promising uh you know i think that they definitely in a pacific division that has seen a couple of surprises like the ducks i had them pegged at the bottom i had the kraken pegged near the top and now the kraken is all down at four and ten and it's kind of like the expansion curse but uh, another team that has surprised me on the negative end is the montreal Canadiens. they have fallen off a, a complete and utter cliff um, no, no offense to my uh, good friend Gage Kilborn, who is a Canadiens fan, but this team is not good. They are four and eleven and two right now, and this is a team that made the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Now, with all due respect, Carey Price, I I love the fact that he's taking this time to uh, 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 take into account his mental health. I think that's amazing, and that's something that should be in sports even more. But the the fact that the Canadians have not been able to step up even without Price, it, it's just been such a struggle for them because now they're even behind the sabers when you're behind the sabers there's a problem so the the canadians need to turn things around because 4 11 and 2 through 17 games is not the most promising especially when they're 3 5 and 2 in the last 10 yeah absolutely and i i love carry price and i and i agree addressing mental health is a big thing but they sent down Cole Caulfield back to Laval and that really has been a negative impact on this hockey team i guess my negative would be colorado because i didn't think they'd be they would be playing 12 games into the season and they only have 13 points. They're, they're having a point in a game. And I, I get that McKinnon was out for the first few games with COVID. And that, yeah, that played a factor. But when he, once he got back, I thought that the Avalanche would be good and they're not. And it's frustrating. I, and I know that it's still a long season. They're, they'll turn it on at some point. But Colorado's got to get it together. So, um, yeah, that's probably a negative for me, I guess, because I, I, I expected big things out of Colorado. So let's turn our attention to college football. We had a, a really fun uh, week 11, I believe it was, in uh, college football, as my ESPN takes forever to load. Um, yeah, the big game, uh, the college football playoff rankings came out. It's pretty much the same top seven as uh, last week with um, Oklahoma, uh, with uh, the top four remaining the same. We have the uh, Cincinnati Bearcats at five. We have Michigan ahead of Michigan State at six and seven, which has been a topic of debate because, you know, Oregon is ranked ahead of Ohio State because they played each other head to head. And, uh, of course, Oregon won the game. And then Michigan State beat Michigan. And then Michigan, of course, uh, is ahead of Michigan State. So I guess the big thing, I'm trying to figure out the, the college football playoff selection community's like style because I don't understand. I get the head-to-head plays a factor, but if Michigan State beat Michigan, why isn't Michigan State a, a, ahead of Michigan at six instead of seven with everything in front of them? Andrew, can you level with me here? Because I, head-to-head is like a big factor in the college football playoff, and right now I don't know where it is right now. Yeah, no, it makes no sense. Both teams are 9-1. and one. Michigan State has looked – I think they've looked better than Michigan this year. I watched Michigan – going to Penn State, and they barely squeaked out a win. And, I mean, yeah, Penn State's a tough team to beat on the road, but they're not even ranked right now. You know, they've kind of been in a little bit of a slide. Yeah, I I don't understand what these rankings are. I also still – I wish I just, I wish just Cincinnati could – they could get a top-four spot. I mean, they're 10-0. They're There's three teams in there that have a loss. Like, I don't know, man. I I don't get these these guys that do the rankings. That comes down to schedule, though. The American hasn't been favorable to Cincinnati. They've got that mm-hmm. win against Notre Dame. They they're rooting for Notre Dame for the rest of the season because Notre Dame has to. If they get to eleven and one, that benefits the Bearcats. But the American hasn't been good this year. Obviously, we they're going to get a test this weekend with SMU coming to town. They're eight and two. They fell off a cliff a little bit, but still. And then they get the American, and Houston just got in on the CFP, so that could benefit Cincinnati. But they would need probably. Alabama or Oregon, best case scenario, Oregon and um, Ohio State to uh, probably lose out. Clever, I know you're not a college football guy, but what do you think? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've talked with Gage about this. Gage is a huge college football fan, and the the, the way that the actual rankings are organized, uh, the, the different voters and the way that it's sort of uh, put together even confuses me. The, the way that, like, if if some certain like the the records are are not really the same like if you beat a weaker team you'll end up in a different place I I just don't think it really just pans out 
maybe this ranking system is not the most reflective of the college football landscape in a whole like let, let's let's take a, a, a team like Baylor for example mm-hmm. like should Baylor be at 13 right now if they're seven and two it's just one of those things where you know Baylor just had this big upset win should they be higher in the standings right now well they are they moved up to 11 tonight Oklahoma's now at 13 which goes into the next question is now that Oklahoma is a one loss team we were talking about maybe they could be a potential sleeper for the playoff if they went out, win the conference championship, and get in if Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon are out. Now that they're done, does that open the door for Oklahoma State, who's also 9-1 and one, but has played slightly better than Oklahoma? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, again, these these guys with the rankings, it's tough to figure out. That was a, I, I don't understand what happened with Oklahoma there. I saw... I thought I saw that Spencer Rattler played right. The, 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 fan, the Oklahoma fans that were there were chanting, "We want Rattler." I was like, yeah. "Wait, didn't you call for Caleb Williams?" Like I don't know, five weeks ago. Well, Caleb Williams finally had a bad game, and I mean, I don't think it's really fair to criticize him. I think he'll start next week, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was a really rough loss for Oklahoma and. You know, props to Baylor. They got the job done at home against a good team. I was really impressed with Baylor's defense. Dave Aranda, by the way, excellent defensive-minded head coach in college football. He played against Lincoln Riley when LSU and Oklahoma played in the 2019 semifinal. LSU had a great defensive game plan against Jalen Hurts, and then Dave Aranda probably took what he saw from that game and implemented it to Baylor, and they used it against Caleb Williams. But I, I will say this. Why do you kick a field goal with one second left? He talked about tie-breaking scenarios. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You're not going to get into the Big 12 championship unless Oklahoma loses again. Just just take the knee. And, and, and I know the student section rushed out of the rushed onto the field with one second left, which was honestly hysterical. Mm-hmm. But don't put salt in the wound. like that, that. Just take the knee, go home, celebrate the win. It it just makes no sense. But we have some we have really big games this week, and obviously the big one at the at the top of the hour will be Michigan State and Ohio State. It's probably going to be a shootout, no matter what, because they bring in different styles of offense. Michigan State runs the ball with Kenneth Walker, who should be a Heisman candidate. Peyton Thorne in the play action, whereas Ohio State, oh, I I don't think there's a better offense in the nation than what's doing than what Ohio State is currently doing right now. It's going to be a great Saturday morning, uh, Saturday afternoon in Columbus with potentially the Big Ten East on the line. Yeah, these are two 9-1 and one teams, and some, something's got to give here. Uh, two top ten teams in the nation. Should be a good game. Yeah, I think this Michigan State-Ohio State game is going to be crazy. I watched Ohio State the other day, and Purdue, who has upset some big, big-name teams this year, just couldn't even – they couldn't stop them at all. I don't think they stopped them once in the first half of that game. No. You know, that, that, uh, this Ohio State offense is a juggernaut right now, and – but Michigan State, they're really good, too. This is going to be a fun shootout type of game, like you were saying. I wonder if Ohio State's sitting there watching the CFP reveal and saying, they're number four. We got to go play Georgia. We got to go play the best defense in the country in the first game of the college football playoff. Like, are you for real? But they can do it. They're probably the only, in my opinion, they're the only offense that has a chance against Georgia because they do so many different things. Having a freshman quarterback is not going to help, but when you have guys that can take the load off at the receiver, at tight end, Travion Henderson in the backfield, they can play against Georgia. Georgia's good, but you know they get Alabama, which is going to be an excellent game. By the way, Alabama probably locked up the SEC West with uh, Ole Miss beating A&M, ending A&M season. Bo Nix broke his ankle, so that means Auburn will have no quarterback for the next two weeks. So we're going to get our the SEC championship game that we've all been pointing to, which is the Georgia-Alabama rematch of 2018 with a college football, maybe two teams in the college football playoff. But all right, what I, I'm ask, I'll ask you guys this. Would you take it if Alabama loses to Georgia on a last-second field goal, would you put Alabama in the college football playoff over Cincinnati, over maybe a two-loss or over – the Big Ten champion, and potentially Oklahoma State if they're a one-loss, or Cincinnati, I guess. Hmm, that's a tough one. I mean, if Cincinnati goes undefeated, I, I don't know, honestly. But Alabama, they have so much talent, and that game against short that's going to be that's going to be intense. But I, I, I think I might keep them in there, actually. 
Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. Um, with my limited knowledge, it it does look like a pretty difficult situation. I mean, you have two teams that are so uh, evenly in terms of record. Like Alabama is uh, ranked at number two in this poll that I'm looking at here. But uh, it, it's interesting because, like, would you place the undefeated team in such an exclusive amount of teams for the college football playoff? Um, I'd put Cincinnati in there, in my opinion, but Alabama should be in the conversation. I mean, they are one of the top programs in the nation. So uh, I guess we'll just have to see how it plays out. I, I would be interested to see what happens if if Alabama, if Alabama beats Georgia. There will probably be two SEC teams because Georgia's looked good that entire oh, season. Sure. They get Alabama. Alabama wins a close game. Georgia's, even if Georgia gets blown out, I still think Georgia should get in. But, yeah, I mean— how do you justify having a two-loss Bama team with the loss to A&M on the road early in the season over potentially a one-loss Big Ten champion, potentially a one-loss Pac-12 champion if Oregon or uh, if Oregon wins out, or an undefeated Cincinnati team that was waiting for one of those upsets to happen, that, or and maybe Oklahoma State? I give give the Oklahoma State Cowboys props because they are now the highest-ranked Big Twelve team. In the college football playoff, they have to play Oklahoma at the end of the season, and that could be a great game if Oklahoma can survive Iowa State this weekend. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I'm really going to be Oklahoma State has done a great job this year, and you know, let's looking at their schedule. They had that big win on the road against Texas. They beat Baylor. They're definitely deserving if they could win out. If they could beat Oklahoma, it's going to come down to that game. I think if they could beat Oklahoma at home, they definitely deserve a shot to get in. Yeah, Oklahoma just did take that loss to Baylor, but they've had uh, big wins over Nebraska and West Virginia. But th- this is this is something that I want to post to you guys. Is Oklahoma still in the picture for making the college football playoff after this loss to Baylor? You know, I don't think so because we, we've talked about— and we have to wrap this up. We've got four minutes left before we have to go to break— um, I don't think so because Oklahoma's schedule now doesn't look that good anymore because Texas has completely fallen apart. Um, Nebraska was never a, a good team, even though they've hung tough with some of the best teams in the country. And then <clears throat> the, the the good teams that they have played, they haven't won convincingly. They didn't beat West Virginia convincingly. They didn't beat Kansas convincingly. And then they get a team like Baylor who just came off a loss on the— and they, got, they had two weeks to get ready for this game as well. They were coming off their bye, and they laid a goose egg. So and, and the fact that they're ranked at 13, they they're gonna need a, a miracle to happen, which would include getting into the Big 12 championship game, beating Oklahoma State to get there, play the winner of play the winner of whoever gets into the Big 12 championship game besides them, and then win and hope that everybody else loses. So, no, I don't think so. Yeah, neither do I. They're they're gonna, the miracle they're gonna need is these big teams are all gonna have to lose games. Mm-hmm the teams that are ahead of them, and they're going to have to convincingly beat Iowa State at home, mm-hmm. which I don't think, I think Iowa State That's going to be a tough a game. game. Yeah. And I know the Cyclone season is over, but Iowa State matches up really well with Oklahoma. And they've beaten them the last couple of years, so who knows? Yeah, for sure. And then, obviously, going into Oklahoma State, they would have to win that game pretty convincingly, too, I think, which is also a stretch. So, yeah, it's going to be a really tough path to the playoffs for Oklahoma I think one last one before we go to break the potential preview of the Pac-12 championship games coming up we have Oregon going to Utah Saturday Night Football on ABC Utah's breaking out these USS Salt Lake uniforms which are honestly fantastic and I can't wait to see them in person what would you do if, if you're Utah in the situation you have you and they're gonna there's gonna be scoreboard watching in and after before and after this game with what could go on in the Pac-12 championship really quick. What would you do if you're Utah with a chance to either knock off Oregon or take the loss, play them again, and then get the win in the Pac-12 championship and, and then knock them out? What would you do? Hmm. I I would go for the win. I would try and knock them out. You know, they're, they're playing at home. It's going to be really tough, though. Oregon, you got to give them credit. They're having a great year. They're ranked third in the nation. But if I'm Utah, I'm also I'm trying to win this game for that and to show them that they can beat them if they do match up. Yeah, Utah's going to have to play out of their minds. Um, in Pac-12 games only, Utah leads the league in scoring offense, touchdowns, and total offense per game. 
But in order to take on a powerhouse like Oregon, you really have to bring your entire game, both offensively and defensively. And and Oregon's pretty pretty good this year, so it's going to be a hard bill. Um, to a, it's going to be a hard matchup for them to to come into uh, Oregon here. And Oregon's only nine and one, so it's gonna it's gonna be very very difficult for them to get any sort of. Uh, victory unless they play their absolute best football I think it's going to be a defensive game because I think that Utah brings in one of the more underrated defenses in the Pac-12 I will be very interested to see how um how Oregon will react if a couple things if they if they win they're in the Pac-12 championship game if Utah wins they're in Oregon could also get in if Washington State loses earlier that day again I don't remember who they're playing they're playing against uh I want to say USC nope not USC I don't remember who they're playing but yeah, um, that, that they'll be scoreboard watching, and then if they if that happens, then they get in, um, no matter what happens, and then they just they play the game out. So, all right, we'll take a short break. When we come back, NFL, we'll get our picks in, and we'll sign off. So stay tuned. We'll take a few couple minutes of a break. You're listening to the Marvel Sports Talk Show here on WQAQ. This is Quinnipiac University's own 98.1 FM WQAQ. The only station you need for the best music, sports, and talk. The new WQAQ. Not hearing what you want to hear? Check out WQAQ.com to see our on-air schedule. Our DJs are playing everything from punk, loud rock, and classic rock to alternative hip-hop and sports. WQAQ.com. Your online connection to the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. (sighs) We want to hire you. You're, You're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. You're listening You're listening to 98.1 WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Not on my watch, our military service members say, as they volunteer to serve, as they move out, stand firm, and take fire. So not on our watch, we say, to the severely ill or injured veterans who can't get the care they deserve to live full and independent lives, even when there's no government funding or a nursing home seems like the only option. We won't leave one warrior behind. Not on our watch. Join us at findwwp.org. Thanks for picking up the signal and tuning in to 98.1 FM, WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. It starts now. And we're back after the break. Marvel Sports Talk Show broadcasting live from the Carl Anson Student Center on Quinnipiac University. David Marr alongside Andrew Spezzano with guest Clever Strike. And we are getting set to talk about Week 11 in the National Football League. We had some great games this weekend. And the big game was the game that probably had a get-right game of sorts for both the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Chiefs dominated the game. And... 
do we feel like the sense that the Chiefs are back? I, I know that they, they did go into Las Vegas and take down a Raiders team, but it doesn't feel like the, the Chiefs are back yet because we haven't seen them play a team that's been at their best at 100% health and at their best in the game, um, th- unlike what we saw on Sunday night. Yeah, I they've definitely looked a lot better, you know. They but the thing is, they've really dominated the Raiders the last few years. So I felt like this was a game that they were going to come out with all their firepower on offense. But I don't know if I'm ready to say that they're back. But they play Dallas at home next weekend around Sunday. If they can win that game and win it and put up over 21 points, I'm ready to say that they're back. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. And the Chiefs did uh, look pretty good in this game. Um, and as a Tyreek Hill fantasy owner, I was very, very satisfied <laughs> with how he did. But um, yeah, no, the, the the Raiders are in an interesting spot right now. They're at five and four. But the Chiefs are coming off of a Super Bowl appearance and they're kind of in like this weird middle ground where they're not quite at that elite level as they were last season. But I still think that they have the potential to surprise a lot of people and turn a lot of heads. I mean, Patrick Mahomes can bust out this kind of game anytime, it seems. 406 yards, five touchdowns. Like, this is the kind of performances that you need from the Chiefs if they're going to rebound and get back into the conversation for, like, really big contenders. But they're sitting at 6-4, and four, so I'm, I'm kind of still mixed on the Chiefs' long-term outlook, but this week looked very good for them. I was impressed with the Chiefs. I think that they got back to being the Chiefs for one game. It, it didn't. They played a team that was in the middle of a dysfunctional week with what was going on with Henry Ruggs and what was going on with Damon Arnett. They cut two first round draft picks from twenty twenty, um, and we all we all know why. And they, we're not going to discuss them on the air. But I, getting Dallas at home is going to be very interesting, especially the rest of their schedule. They don't play a team with a losing record the rest of the schedule as of now. Uh, the Broncos are five and five, but they're they're five hundred at best, and they still have. The Raiders again. They'll have the Cowboys this week. They'll go. They have a game against the Steelers at home, and then they go to Cincinnati, who could need that game at the end of the season. So, I'm not ready to say, yeah, the Chiefs are back. Let, let's pump the brakes and see how they do against Dallas, who has a complete team and looked really good against the Atlanta Falcons with a 43 point performance, just complete dismantling of the Falcons. Speaking of dismantling, the Patriots are back and. Obviously, sitting at 2-4, and four, they played so well against Tampa Bay, didn't get the win. Played so well against Dallas, lost an OT. The Patriots, they're there. They're not there yet. Uh-oh. Four straight wins. They decimated the Cleveland Browns at home in Judd Stadium. And that was probably the best game I think I've seen Mac Jones play this season. He was 19-23, just a little under 200 yards passing. Ramondre Stevenson is living up to my expectation as a fantastic late-round draft pick. The Patriots' defense is one of the best units in football. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest minds in football. I would be very afraid if I was a Buffalo Bills fan because the Patriots not only could win the division, they could be the number one seed if they continue to win and look as dominant as they've been and as as how they looked on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, the, the Patriots, oh my God. That's probably the best game I've seen them play since Tom Brady left. <laughs> Definitely, actually. They beat the Browns 45-7 from Andre Stevenson with 100 yards and two touchdowns. You know, this I I hadn't even heard of the dude coming into the season, and he's he's looking like a star. And how about Kendrick Bourne? That catch that he made was unbelievable. That was a dart from Matt Jones. He had a big touchdown. Jacoby Myers finally gets his first career receiving touchdown. Congrats to him. He's he's a hard worker. I saw you called it on Twitter. I did. I was I was happy to see. Not only was I happy to see him get in the end zone, but I was really happy that all the Patriots came over and just like patted him on the patted him on the head and were you know giving him high fives like that. That tells you how how connected and the chemistry of the Patriots are this season. Yeah, but the Patriots, Mac Jones, he looked incredible. 19 for 23 with three touchdowns. You even have Brian Hoyer going in there and adding a touchdown. You know, that that was just a complete game. The defense looked great. You know, they, they picked off Baker Mayfield. I'm really impressed with the Pats. They're scary. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And the I wrote in my notes, the Pats can't seem to go away ever. 
And I thought we were finally rid of the Patriots being one of the best teams in football, but they turned it on this game. Um, yeah, Mac Jones, when he played out there, that, that was such a good game for him. First half was absolutely fire, 134 yards, 13 of 15 pass attempts completed. That That's the kind of uh, production that the, the Patriots need. Um, and the Browns, they've just been on a slide when it comes to this matchup. Uh, they've historically been terrible against the Patriots. It's, it's not mm-hmm. been very good. They haven't won since 2010. Uh, that was the last time that they had uh, a victory over the Patriots. And before that, I believe it was 2000. So yeah. two, two victories in two decades is not great, especially when you consider that was the whole Tom Brady era. And uh, I thought we were finally kind of rid of this version of the Patriots kind of just railroading everything. But this was a, a turn back the clock uh, kind of week. So, um, but but at the same time, you know, Mac Jones uh, throwing the pass is different. So new pieces, but old faces with Bill Belichick uh, still being one of those sharpest minds in football. Like you said, uh, you know, this this was a, a turning of the tides, especially in that division. The Bills should be uncomfortable right now. Before we move any further, this is what Max said about Jacoby getting his first touchdown. I want to play hey, this. Jacoby get his first touchdown reception. That was awesome. I told him today, I was like, you're going to score before the game. I didn't know that it was going to come from Hoyer, but <laughs> it was great. So, Dude, Mac, Mac Jones is, is a guy. I, I love this guy. He's fantastic. Yeah, and the Patriots, uh, after this Thursday night game against the Falcons, they get the Titans at home. Mike Vrabel's homecoming after uh, Thanksgiving Thursday next week, which should be a great game between Bill Belichick and the the former student. With Mike Vrabel and his eight and two, soon to be nine and two because they're playing the Houston Texans this weekend, the Tennessee Titans at home. The biggest shocker from Sunday was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming out of their bye, which was last year was how they got to the Super Bowl. They got on an incredible run after their bye, and we all know what happened. Tom Brady won, won his seventh Super Bowl. Now we they come out of the bye week against the Washington team. What the heck happened to the Bucks last week? I mean, this is a team coming off a bye playing a Washington team that has done nothing on offense, a team the Patriots beat last year in the playoffs. What the heck happened? I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand how the the New England, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm, I thought I was going to say Patriots because we're talking about Tom Brady, but I, I, don't, I don't understand the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I get that they're defensively injured, but that was such a goose egg laid by the Bucs last uh, Sunday. Yeah, the Bucks did lay a goose egg, and it's crazy because the 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 Washington football team is so heavily injured. Uh, Logan Thomas and uh, Chase Young now being added to that injury list to see a three and six team defeat Tampa Bay, who is the reigning um, super excuse me Super Bowl champions, almost a Stanley Cup champions. My mind's in <laughs> hockey mode, but. Uh, the reigning Super Bowl champions to lose to Washington. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And this this is a momentum swing. A lot of momentum swings in uh, in uh, this week in the NFL. But um, the question does remain, is Washington outside of the picture even with this win? I, I think that they are, considering the amount of injuries that they do have. Antonio Gibson had a pretty good game, as did Terry McLaurin. But it, honestly, as a, as a grander whole, I think that... Tampa is going to definitely redirect themselves. I mean, they have the Giants uh, this week, so it should be an easier time for them. Yeah, I. how many upsets have we seen in the last few weeks in football? I, I've it's lost just, count. It's been unbelievable. You got the Jags beating the Bills. Now you got the football team beating Tampa Bay. But Taylor Heineke, he just, he's just a superstar against Tom Brady. We saw it in the playoffs last year, and we saw it again this past week, and Antonio Gibson, you know, he had a monster game with two touchdowns. But Tampa Bay, they just couldn't get it going on offense. You know, Fournette only had 47 rushing yards. He's been having a monster year. And Tom Brady, with the two interceptions early on, that didn't help. You know, they got off to a slow start. And, you know, that looking at Washington, to, Washington though, I think they're outside the picture. That loss to Chase Young is critical. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's, it's terrible because I, I love Chase Young. I'm a Giants fan, a, and I can't stand the football team. But <laughs> I have a lot of respect for Chase Young, and it's really tough to see him go down like that. But yeah, that was that's a bad loss for the Bucks, and they're probably gonna kill my Giants coming up this Monday. <laughs> 
Speaking of upsets, I got trolled by uh, the dean of SOC, Chris Roush, when I was on his podcast last week. He's like, you picked the Ravens to beat the Dolphins, and you picked them to win by about 100. Would you care to explain what happened on Thursday night? I was like, well, I didn't have an answer because I don't know what the heck just happened. But, yeah, I mean, and we probably didn't see another big— we we didn't think we were going to see a big upset until uh, last night when the Rams went to Santa Clara to play a team that hadn't won a home game in a calendar year and get absolutely destroyed by the San Francisco 49ers. I think that's now, going back to 2019, I think that's now six straight wins for the 49ers against the Rams. Maybe, no, it's five. Five straight wins for the 49ers against the Rams. Odell Beckham goes into L.A. Von Miller goes to L.A. The Rams are winning the Super Bowl. Oh, stop right there. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. You have to play. You have to play the regular season. I don't care who you are playing. You play your regular season. Slow down the Super Bowl talk. And I, and I said it when they got OBJ. If they don't win the Super Bowl this year, it's a waste of a season. But you get all this talent. It's on the field. It's, all, it's everything about the Super Bowl. It's everything about the Super Bowl. No. Play the game. And the Rams just went out there and just got whitewashed by a 49ers team that had done nothing all season. And it's another one of those upsets where you you think you've seen it, you think you got it figured out, and you don't. Uh, it, it, it's interesting because uh, this Rams team, like Stafford, has been cold recently, so cold. And, you know, being a fantasy owner of him, um, you know, I do have Lamar as well on the bench, so not bad. But Stafford, oh my goodness. The, the the Rams losing Robert Woods, too, was a really big blow to them. Uh, Robert Woods is such an intelligent player. Uh, he can play, like, both on and off the field. Like, he he's a leader, and it's just, it's going to be rough, and the Rams really have to focus in these last few weeks. Man, yeah, losing Robert Woods hurts. It hurts me because he was on my fantasy team. <laughs> he was, too, for mine, so. But. You he know, wasn't on mine, just to be just to make it clear. <laughs> but yeah, the Rams, they Matt Stafford just he did not look right in this game. You know, he had a, I mean that and you gotta give credit to the 49ers. They got cornerback Jimmy Ward back from injury and he comes in, he has two interceptions and a pick six. You know, that interception really just piled onto the I think that made it fourteen nothing quickly. But Debo Samuel, he had a monster game. He has been a Ram killer. Since he's since he entered the league, you know he had five receptions for ninety-seven yards and a touchdown. Add on thirty-six rushing yards and a touchdown, and the Rams' defense just could not stop Eli Mitchell on the ground either. He had ninety-one yards. You know this this Niner team just it seems like they had a perfect formula to beat the Rams, and if other teams could pick up on what they did, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. It certainly saved Kyle Han- Shanahan's job, that's for sure. I mean, if they got blown out by the Rams, he was gone. He was going out the door, and he was, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what to make of the Rams, but they get a bye week, and hopefully they get right, because they have a trip to Green Bay coming up pretty soon, and that's, that's, that's a big game if the Packers keep rolling. Uh, last one before we do our picks. Cam Newton is back in Carolina, and he led the Panthers to a another surprising upset against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals really just did nothing on offense. And I remember uh, listening to Chris Sims on his podcast this morning, and he was like, why do you go for it on fourth and one from your own 40, down 7 nothing against a Carolina offense that can't score? Like, that made no sense. And the Cardinals, they need Kyler Murray back. They the offense is not the same when Kyler Murray is out of the lineup. And it against the 49ers, you could say, okay, the 49ers just got completely you know, bamboozled by what the Cardinals offense did. But, yeah, they need Kyler Murray back, and it showed when Cam Newton and the Panthers just marched right into Glendale and kicked the crap out of them. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Newton after that first. That was awesome. First yeah. rushing touchdown. I Deserve- still think it's dumb that they threw a flag. I mean, <laughs> deservedly so. I mean, that that's just how the rules are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, that was awesome, and he's going to start next week. I'm excited to see how he does there. But, yeah, the Cardinals, I didn't expect them to win when I saw Colt McCoy was starting. I've, I saw this story last year with the Giants. He's just not a starting quarterback. And then, obviously, with DeAndre Hopkins being out, they just, that just made it worse. They have Chase Edmonds sidelined for a couple weeks. But, yeah, I think if they could, once they get Kyler and D-Hop back, I think the Cardinals will be fine. 
And Carolina, you know, they're sitting five and five. They currently hold a wild card spot in the NFC. I think I'm I'm excited to see Cam Newton go out there. I want to see him lead them to a playoff spot. That would be awesome. A great storyline. Cam Newton. No one believed in him in the offseason. He comes home to Carolina and leads them to a playoff spot. That would just be sick. And I'm excited to see how that goes. I agree with that. And another uh time another kind of overarching theme of the 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 clock being turned back the 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 patriots winning in a dominant fashion now cam newton coming back to carolina for the first time since week two in 2019 like his whole saga with the patriots i just i feel like he wasn't the cam newton that we've always seen uh cam newton kind of changed as a player when he was uh in gillette stadium it it wasn't the same cam newton that we saw so maybe a return to familiar sights is going Mm -hmm. to be the thing that redirects his game um personally i'm excited to see what the panthers can do they do have a lot of really good pieces dj Moore, like they have a couple like and now that mccaffrey's back in the fold like this is a team that could make some noise um, the Cardinals, I think they've got a great defense. I think that they have pieces that once they heal, they'll definitely be a playoff team. Um, and they're 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 competing with the Rams in the NFC West. So th- this is definitely a Cardinals uh, chance for a deep run, but they they do have to refocus, and they will have a good match against the Seahawks coming up on Sunday. So they'll have a chance to get back in the win column there. I wonder how it felt to be a Cardinals fan watching the 49ers get their butts kicked by the Rams on Monday night, saying that we just got we just got crushed by Carolina. The Rams are playing on Monday night against a 49ers team that can't score, and the Rams got blown out. I, I would be pretty happy if I was a Cardinals fan watching that game Monday night. Speaking of games, we have games to pick in our last 10 minutes of our show, so let's get into it. Week 11 of the NFL season, we start Thursday night. The Patriots go to Atlanta. 28-3 is going to be brought up a lot this week because we all know what happened mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. The Patriots are favored by seven. Clever will go first. Andrew and I will follow. Clever, who do you think is going to win and why? Uh, this isn't a question. It's the Patriots. Uh, they're coming off of a huge win last week. The Falcons have been struggling. They lost to Dallas in a very, very grand fashion. That was an absolute blowout of a game. I, I don't think the Falcons have much of a chance in this one. Falcons just got decimated. They, they're not going to have Cordero Patterson, who's been one of their better players. Patriots have been hot. They're going to win big. I think the Patriots are going to win, but I think that this is going to be one of those games where you just can't sleepwalk the Falcons because I think that the Falcons are dangerous. They have a good defense, but the Patriots, after that big win, short week on the road in Atlanta, could be closer than you think. I think the Falcons would cover the spread. Uh, the Colts go to Buffalo, the rematch of the AFC wildcard game last year. Real quick pick, guys. Buffalo is a seven-point favorite at home against Indy. I'll give it to the Bills. Uh, the Bills have rebounded after the loss to my Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, but, yeah, no, the Bills have looked really, really good. And uh, last week over the Jets, they absolutely decimated them. I think that they can definitely defeat the Bill. Uh, excuse me, the Colts. Yeah, Bills looked great. I can't see them losing at home to the Colts. I think they're going to win big. The Colts just don't have that killer instinct. If they did have that killer instinct against Baltimore, against Tennessee, I would pick them to win. They just don't. And I think the Bills are going to get right. They're going to win this game. Uh, Baltimore going to Chicago. The Ravens are six-point favorites against the Bears. Uh, Who do you got, Clever? Um, I got the Ravens. Uh, The Ravens had a really, really bad week last week. Lamar did not play up to his best standards. Um, it was rough. They lost to the Dolphins. That was uh, an upset, in my opinion. So I think the Ravens definitely do rebound this time. Yeah, I think the Ravens are going to bounce back. I think this is a get-right game for them. And the Bears, they might be missing Khalil Mack in this one, which is going to make it an even easier path for the Ravens. At the risk of being trolled by uh, Chris Roush on Twitter, probably if the Ravens lose the game, I will take the Ravens. And I really hope the Ravens win because I was not, I wasn't thrilled that he trolled me on his podcast last week, but I mean, it is what it is. The Ravens will win this game. I just don't think the Bears can get it done. Um, We're skipping Detroit, Cleveland. I think we all know who's going to win that game. Mm -hmm. The Lions just can't play. Baker's been hearing a lot of criticism. We're skipping Houston and Tennessee because the Texans are the worst team in football. The Titans should steamroll them easy. How about a rivalry game out north with the Packers and the Vikings? The Packers are small two-and-a-half-point favorites. Clever, do you think the Vikings can get it done? Um, this game really intrigues me. I'm going to give it to the Packers, though. The Packers have been hot recently. They're 8-2. and two. Just took a big win over the Seahawks. They shut out the Seahawks, which is uh, pretty impressive considering that the Seahawks do have some pretty good offensive pieces. Um, yeah, no, I think that they'll definitely win over the Vikings. I like the Packers in this one. Minnesota's just missing too much on defense with Michael Pierce, Harrison Smith, and Anthony Barr all not playing, I believe. 
So, yeah, I like the Packers, and they've dominated Minnesota over the years. I think it's a close game. The difference is the Packers' defense has been too good. A.J. Dillon, B.C. kid, gets the start at running back for the Packers. Now that Aaron Jones is out, he's going to have a big game. I like the Packers to win. I think they're going to cover as well. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, real quick, Miami and the Jets. Really quick. Miami, just to make Gage mad. But <laughs> Miami did defeat uh, the the Ravens last week. I think that Miami does have a bit of momentum coming into this game. Tua should have a good game as a quarterback. I, I think that they can definitely take the W over the Jets. I like Miami in this one. I like the Jets. I like the Jets at home with the cold weather. Dolphins, I don't I don't know how I feel about the Dolphins just yet. They, their offense still can't score, and I think... Zach Wilson's going to have a good game. So I Zach like Wilson has been good. Yeah. I, I do agree with that. Zach Wilson has been <laughs> showing a lot of promise. Yeah. And I think that the if you build around that, that, that's something that the Jets could definitely hang their hat on, even if this is another one of those seasons. The Eagles are one-and-a-half-point favorites against the Saints at home. They get the win. I think the Eagles can definitely defeat the Saints. The Saints have been slipping as of late, and the Eagles do have an opportunity here. They just defeated the Broncos last week. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think Jalen Hurts and the Eagles can get it done here. Big game for Devontae Smith and Hurts. It looked good. Semyon starting for the Saints. I like the Eagles in this one, but it's going to be tight. I agree. I like the Eagles as well. I just think that they've just got two. I think they've got the good run game now. Jalen Hurts is playing good. The Saints' defense is good, but offense is not good, so I, I like the Eagles. Uh, Carolina and Washington, give me one word on the game. Hmm. Um, comeback. The comeback will continue for Cam Newton, in my opinion. I, th- I think that Carolina will take it over Washington. Okay. McCaffrey, no Chase Young, so I think McCaffrey's going to have a big game, and so is Cam Newton. I like the Panthers in this. He's back. He's back in Carolina. He's going to get it done. I like the Panthers. All right, Niners and Jags. Clever, you're the Jags fan. Do you think the Jags stand any of a chance against No the- way. Wow. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, no. I think that the 49ers, they do have the momentum coming off of last week's big upset victory over the Rams. I, I think that they'll probably take care of the Jags, even if the Jags are at home. Uh, the Jaguars have just been struggling this year, 2-7, and seven, and they just lost to the Colts. I, I don't think that the Jaguars have much of a chance in this one, even as a Jaguars fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Niners are going to win this one, especially coming off momentum in this short week. I'm going Jags. I like the Jags at home. I think they're going to. I think the defense has been playing so good. I appreciate the I, th- I think the defense has been playing so good. The Niners coming off a Monday night a game. Kind thought. I, no, I'm being dead serious. I like the Jags. I think they're going to win this game. I, I like their defense. They should have beaten the Colts. They were right there. They just they they got to get it. And I think they're going to this week. All right, Cincinnati and the Raiders. The Bengals are slim one point favorites against the Raiders. Hmm. The the thing about this one is that I I'll I'll have to give it to Cincinnati. Cincinnati has had a rough couple of weeks. I mean, they just lost to the Browns and the Jets back to back, and the and they they did take out the 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 Ravens a couple of weeks back. But I think that they could definitely uh, defeat Derek Carr and the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders have a lot of injuries on defense. They have not played well recently. I think that scares me about picking Cincinnati as the games in uh, in Las Vegas, but. I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with the Bengals. I like I like the Bengals too. I think they're gonna win this game. The Raiders are just beginning that midseason collapse, and I think it continues with a very good performance from Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Dallas and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are two and a half point favorites against Dak Prescott and my best team in the NFC, Dallas Cowboys. This is a money matchup. I'm gonna take uh the Cowboys. The Cowboys in this one. I think that even though the Chiefs have returned to form, the Cowboys have looked very, very good. And last week's uh win was very convincing. So I think that Dak's definitely gonna come out here and especially with Mari Cooper, that they're gonna have a big day. Even on the road. Yeah, Kansas I just don't trust Kansas City's defense against this powerhouse offense of Dallas. I think Dallas wins in a shootout. I like Dallas as well. I just think that they're too too dynamic on offense. Um, they're going to win this game. Um, all right, real quick, guys. Uh, Arizona, Seattle, who wins? Um, I'll give it to Arizona. Uh, Seattle doesn't have enough momentum, and Arizona has a really good defense, like I said earlier, and just I, I think that they, they're the better team of the two. Arizona with Kyler and Hopkins coming back. I like Arizona as well. Pittsburgh and L.A., the Sunday night game. Really quick, who wins? Just give me the, just give me the team who wins because we're running out of time. Uh, Pittsburgh. Chargers. I like the Chargers at home. All right, lastly, Giants and the Bucks. Andrew, you get to go first. So the Giants say any of a chance against the Bucks. I think the Giants are going to cover the eleven point spread, but the Bucks are going to win. They need yeah, to win. Bucks, Bucks for the win. Yep, I got Bucks. So with that, that will wrap it up for the Marvel Sports Talk Show here at the Quinnipiac uh, University Student Center. Thanks for tuning in. 
We hope you have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you in two weeks, and we hope that your Thanksgiving is just as good as ours. Have a great night, everybody. to a little bit of everything on 98.1 WQAQ.